right away. So who's excited for the word this morning? I know I am. So can you please stand to your feet this morning and welcome our senior pastor, Jonathan Wilson, to the platform. Come on, church. Thank you, Jacob. All right. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you say that the entrance of your word brings light. And I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts and our spirits. Lord, that our understanding, that give us fresh revelation from your word as we look into all that took place through your birth and your entry into our world. Lord, may the reality of that impact every part of our lives, spirit, soul, and body, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Give our worship team a hand. Thank them for the great work that they do. So good to see you in church on Sunday morning, first Sunday in December. Yeah, so uh, here we are, right on the uh, cusp of another new year. And uh, this is, a, uh, of course, a great season, the Christmas season. Uh, one of anticipation, excitement, and if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you joined us online, um, and so glad that you're here in person today. One thing I do want to just highlight is that this year, Christmas Eve falls on a Friday. Christmas Day is on a Saturday, and so what we're doing, normally we have a Christmas Eve service this year. Our team have put together a fantastic, I think it's around 40-minute uh, live stream Christmas Eve service at home at 6 p.m. So I want to encourage you, put that in your diary, put that in your calendar, 6 p.m. Christmas Eve. You can watch in your, well, I don't know that you'll be in your PJs at 6 p.m., but you can, you, you can watch and just relax at home. And... Uh, our team have done a fantastic job. I've seen the part they filmed of the kids. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I know you're going to be blessed by it, but gather with your families around the fireplace or around the, the TV and watch online. We, it's going to be a live stream that you can interact. So we want to hear uh, some encouragement and uh, just hear some Christmas cheer online. And so that's uh, Christmas Eve on Friday, and then the Sunday, uh, Friday evening, Sunday morning uh, in Australia, it's called Boxing Day. Why is it called Boxing Day? Good question. Um, but it used to be the day when they used to open their gifts, the boxes, and uh, Christmas was a day for church. Um, so uh, day after Christmas, 26, we have our 10 a.m. service here. And uh, so just wanted to give you a heads up because whether you like it or not, uh, whether you can believe it or not, Christmas is less than three weeks, well, less than three weeks away, uh, 21, uh, 20, 20 days, we're 20 days to Christmas. One of the things that we always do on uh, the first Sunday of the month is that we highlight um, some of the things that we are doing as a church uh, and uh, the vision initiatives that we have. And I think many of you are, uh, are aware, I think all of us are aware, that the last two years kind of disrupted most people's schedules, including most churches' schedule. And uh, 
So as a result, many of the things that we, we had planned to do, we needed to change, and we've had to, uh, had to make adjustments to. Um, but I want to show this video again because maybe you've seen it before, but um, I think our team are ready to show it. It just gives a little snapshot of some of the things that we've been doing, some of the things that we want to do, uh, just as a reminder. And, of course, we gave a Thanksgiving offering a couple of weeks back. If you're watching online or you're here and you weren't able to do that yet, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Make sure that you put, if you're giving online, how many people love that push pay, uh, that little video there? Um, it was awesome. And uh, if you want to make sure that you make that contribution, notate it to go to our Thanksgiving offering. And our Thanksgiving offering is a very important offering for us as a church, over and above our normal offerings, which enables us to do things like India, uh, the work we do in India. How many people have been to India? Okay, I'm the only one here. Uh, but the reality is that you may not be able to go to India in person, but you can make a difference in India. And uh, what we're doing with Vision Rescue, your giving is making a difference. Your giving is going where you may not be able to go physically. Um, and, uh, of course, next weekend, we have our My Christmas Wish, which is going to be amazing. It's our, our annual um, kind of... Uh, event where we take Christmas to the community in Santa Ana where we give out food every week. Um, and last year we weren't able to do it there, but we did it here. We had a kind of a drive-by. Uh, but I want to really encourage you, if you can come, we're starting a service in Santa Ana as well. And you want to hear Jean Carlos in full flight in our Spanish service. He does an amazing job. And uh, there are many, many people there that have been gathering, and we're gaining momentum with that service. And I'm excited about it um, because it's always been in my heart to, to have a Spanish service that is an expression of who we are as a church in an environment where we are a bilingual, at least bilingual, but many more languages represented. So check out the screen here. Uh, let's take a look at this. And... Uh, just remind ourselves about some of the things we're doing. Pastors here at Newport Church, and I um, do several functions, but one of the things I have the privilege of doing here is through the pastoral care, I get to facilitate and lead what we call a grief share group. About eight years ago, for me, I uh, lost my daughter in a car accident, and I was an immediate, what I would call a beneficiary of, of hope. And, and love. And through the years, you know, it took quite a few years for me to work through enough to where I felt strong enough to be able to share with other people and help other people in their journey of loss and grief. Really now, I'm not just a beneficiary of the hope and the love that I've received from Jesus, but I'm able to share with other people and come alongside them. And now I'm a benefactor for them to help them, you know, to find that joy and that hope. There's several things we do in the program. Um, sometimes we meet in person and sometimes we meet online, but it's a specific curriculum written for somebody who's had a physical death of a loved one, and it's a beautiful curriculum. I always say it's my job to point them to Jesus.
Hello Newport Church. I want to say a big big thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of all the children and the people that you help serve in India. So the pandemic just like for you it's been a very challenging season for us and uh, but especially for the families and the children that we serve it's been a totally different level. When the pandemic hit and the lockdown started people began to go into starvation. and uh, people there was a mass exodus from cities back to the villages because of uh, poverty and because of starvation and uh, no work but during that time because of your partnership because of your giving as well we were able to uh, we were able to serve the, those people even in the midst of the pandemic so over the last year and a half we have been able to serve over 2 million meals either through packed meals cook meals or through groceries uh, to people who would have otherwise starved we have been able to get all our children back into online schooling otherwise they would have been pushed back in the digital divide none of this would have happened without your partnership without your giving so i want to thank you on behalf of all those people who are alive all those children who are moving forward and i pray that the lord will continue to bless you thank you pastor jonathan and dian and all the leadership for standing with us together let us continue to make a difference so thank you for all of those who partner with us for everyone who's contributed because uh, you're giving us making a difference and biju is doing an amazing job in india i'd love to have the opportunity to take a team there i know that we did a few years back and uh, Holly Kikanyo came with us and uh, was a very impacting time but thank God for great partnerships that we can work together and we can make a difference and by the way the coffee out there if you were looking for a christmas gift at christmas grab some of that coffee it's really good coffee the beans that are out there makes a great gift and all of the profits from that are going towards vision rescue So when you drink that coffee, you know that the contribution is going to kids that are living on the streets that are being helped by Bijou and the team there. So buy some coffee, makes a good uh, stocking stuffer. If uh dies listening, uh uh yeah, anyway, just kidding. Those days are over. The days where I have a Christmas stocking, the dogs do, but I don't. So I don't know what's happened there. It's a dog's life. Um so anyway, here we go. Are you ready for the word? Okay. Context is everything. How many of you know how important context is? How many of you have been taken out of context? Someone took some of your words, changed the context and the meaning became something very different. All of us have read and these days um we we all of us walk a kind of a minefield when it comes to social media especially if there's any aspect of your life where you are a public figure uh what you say will not only be recorded uh it will also possibly be mutated uh so that it becomes something different from what you said i saw uh, a, a funny t-shirt recently Um how many of you know the scripture which says with God all things are possible. Uh and uh I saw the scripture it says and it said uh, I saw the t-shirt it said 
uh, all things are possible when you take God's Word out of context. And it's true. Uh, context, hello. Context is everything. And so when, it, when we come to Christmas, I believe it's important for us as followers of Christ not only to understand that Christmas is not, we all know it's not just about the Christmas tree and Santa and the gifts and all the, the tinsel and the wrapping and the lights and, and all the rest of it. Christmas obviously is about the birth of Jesus Christ, but it's more than just about the birth of Jesus Christ. And how Jesus came is fundamentally important for us to understand the meaning of Christmas. And so, um, as we uh, approach, uh, uh, enter into this Christmas season, the last month of the year, we're 20 days from Christmas, traditionally the church has celebrated the four weeks before Christmas as a time of Advent. Uh, the church has been celebrating Advent since the fourth century. That's a long time. It's 1,600 years, and depending upon your tradition, uh, you may have never heard of Advent, but the word Advent comes from the uh, Latin word Adventus, which literally means an appearance of uh, an, an Advent or a coming of uh, uh, the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. I'm going to repeat that again. The word Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Think about that. What was the most notable event in human history? The birth of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is the Advent is when we remember the coming of Jesus Christ. Who was the most notable person in history? The most notable person in history without any shadow of a doubt, whether you're a Christian or not, the indiv one individual who changed the course of human history more than any other individual that walked on the face of the earth is Jesus Christ. And so Advent is a season of expectation and anticipation. Maybe you had an Advent calendar as a kid, maybe as a parent, your kids have an Advent calendar where you open a little box and there's a gift or a, uh, 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 some candy in there or chocolate or uh, now it's become in our household, it's a dollar note. So it's an expensive season coming up to Christmas, but um, not every day, but, um, but, the, but the, uh, it, it, it's a time of expectation. It's a time also, when we identify with the people who lived before the birth of Christ, who lived with anticipation and expectation for a better day, for a savior, for a deliverer, for a comforter. And so, as we've been traveling over the days preceding Thanksgiving, uh, and we have had our 52 days of rebuilding and our focus on the 52 days of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, those people who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem were anticipating the arrival of the Messiah and their Savior, Jesus. They didn't have to wait four weeks like we did. They had to wait 400 years. And I spoke about that last week. If you weren't able to hear the message, you can listen to it 
either as a podcast or you can listen to it on YouTube, on our uh, Newport Church YouTube uh, channel. But it was a time of hope. It was a time where they were hoping for the advent, the arrival, the coming of Jesus. And so my message today is called The Advent of Hope. All of us are born with hope in our hearts. Every one of us, as human beings, can endure hardships, and we can live without many things, but we can't live without hope. We can live for weeks without food. We can live for days without water. We can live for minutes without oxygen. But it's almost impossible to live for a second, truly live without hope. And we've all experienced what it is to have hope that's disappointed. Viktor Frankl, who lived through the Holocaust and lived, lived through uh, the prison camps of the, in the Second World War, said that it was, it was very clear and very obvious that all the, those who were interned who lived without any sense of hope were the first to get sick, and they were the first to die. But those who lived with hope were able to push through and were able to survive what others were unable to survive. And so hope is so fundamentally important to, to all of us. And so those who lived prior to the birth of Christ were hoping for a Savior. They were waiting for a Savior. They were hoping for a deliverer. Their view of the coming of Christ or the advent of Christ was very different to ours because they believed that when the Messiah came and they were hoping for a Messiah, they had no understanding of the word Christ, which is a Greek word, but when the Messiah came, they believed that the Messiah would, when He came, all of the stages of what we believe or what we understand of the advent of Christ would all happen at once. So as believers, as followers of Christ, there are three stages of our understanding of the advent or the coming of Christ. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's not just something we believe, it's a fact that Jesus was born, probably not on the 25th of December, in case you think that was the day. It was probably more like, they say, it was probably more like October or earlier in the year. But around that time, and probably B.C., Jesus was born four years before he was born. He probably was born around 4 B.C. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born. It's a fact of human history. The second aspect of the advent of Christ is the day that you and I have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he enters our lives and our world, and the advent, the arrival of Christ into our hearts transforms and changes our lives. That's the second aspect of the advent of Christ. And the third is the second coming of Christ, and the word for advent, the word for the, that second coming is the Greek word parousia, which means the, the arrival of or the expectation that we have of the arrival of Jesus Christ. Whether 
whatever your, uh, I'm going to use a big word here, eschatological view is, which means whatever your view is of the end times or the last days, and there's a lot of people that are, that are, that are very interested in all those events, but one thing we do know, no man knows the hour or the day of Jesus coming. That's what Jesus said. But we know that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. But the Jewish people at the time, they believed that all those three things would happen at one time when the Messiah came with the birth of Jesus. They believed that not only would Jesus, the Messiah come, and not only would he establish his, but he would establish his rule here on earth, and that they would rule from Jerusalem. The Messiah would rule from Jerusalem with the, the Jewish nation at the very center of his rule. And so that was what they believed. That was their expectation. That was their hope. So the, the, for, for us today, as we look at the Advent, um, we, the focus that, that we have as followers of Christ at this time of year is the Advent of Christ in the hearts of every human being. And I want to focus on that this morning in the time that I have to talk about the advent of hope. The wonder of the fact that Christ can live in our hearts by faith. The wonder of the incarnation. I wonder if you ever think about that. The mystery of the birth of Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said this, and I think we have this quote that we can put up on the screen. St. Augustine said, without ceasing to be what he was, he became what he was not. He was created of a mother whom he created, and he was carried by hands that he formed. So, I'm going to read that again um, so that you if you're taking notes, without ceasing to be what he was, in other words, without ceasing to be God, he became what he was not, man. He was created of a mother whom he created, and he was carried by hands that he formed. That's the mystery of the incarnation. That's the mystery of the birth of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God tells us that Christ can live in our hearts by faith. Ephesians 3 and verse 17 says, I pray that Christ may live in your hearts by faith. Christ can live in our hearts by faith. And so in this season of Advent, we can know in our hearts hope, love, joy, and peace in our hearts every single moment of the day because of the advent of Christ, because of the coming of Christ. That means I can know hope in my heart. You can know hope in your heart in the midst of hopelessness. We can know love in our hearts in the midst of hatred. We can know joy in our hearts in the midst of adversity. We can know peace in our hearts in the midst of turmoil because our hope, our peace 
our, our, our love, our joy, and our peace are not dependent upon what's happening around about us, but they are determined by Christ in us. And in order for us to experience that, we have to do it by faith. Last week, I talked about faith and about our faith at this time of the year. Maybe, and, and you and I both know that when we're going through adversity, it's harder to experience joy. When you're facing trouble, it's, un, it's harder to experience peace. When you're feeling a sense of hopelessness, it's hard to feel hope. But we can experience that by faith in Christ because what Christ, the advent of Christ means that my life is not determined by what's happening around about me. It's determined by what's happening in me. So three things I want to highlight this morning. The first is that Jesus is the source of all hope. Jesus is the source of all hope. Jesus is the, is the hope of ages. Isaiah, I love this verse in Isaiah. He, he sums up the hopes of all of God's people. He, and he says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, the people who walk in darkness shall see a great light, a light that will shine on all those who live in the land of the shadow of death. Isaiah was speaking about the uh, people who lived in the region of Galilee, the region of Naphtali, in, in more detail in that passage. And he talks about people who were living under a shadow, people who were living in darkness. The day would come when they would experience light, when they would experience deliverance, when they would experience a Savior walking amongst them. And Isaiah, of course, was speaking about Jesus, and he was speaking five to six hundred years before the birth of Christ. And so he talks about that hope, the hope of God's people, the hope that people had of the, the coming of Christ and all that he would bring to the nation as a whole. Just give me one moment here. We got a new, uh, a new uh, printer and it prints two-sided pages and it makes me... Uh, I'm totally confused as to where everything is. I've been doing this for so many years on one side, so my system has been disrupted in this season of disruption. All right, so uh, where was I? Jesus is the hope. Jesus is not only the hope, but he is the source of all hope. And I want to encourage you today that in the midst of whatever's happening in your life in this Christmas season, let's not just reflect on the G Jesus in a manger. I have to, I don't want to burst your bubble, but the Christmas, the, 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 the night that Jesus was born does not look at all like all of our nativity scenes. He was probably born in a cave because they kept livestock in caves in those days. He probably wasn't laid in a nice wooden manger. He was probably laid in the stall that all the cattle, the cows, and the donkeys ate straw out of. And it was probably a pretty uh, rustic, is probably a good way of describing it. It was probably a pretty rustic scene. But when Jesus was born, the advent of his birth meant that you and I can experience hope in the midst of our situation. And I love this verse from Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 
5 and verse 13, Paul, who understood hope, he said, may the God of hope, that means he's a God of hope. Jesus is the source of hope. Hey, if you put your hope in, in, in any government, if you put your hope in any government, it's going to be disappointed. If you put your hope in people, I'm sorry to say, it doesn't matter who they are. At some time or another, they are going to disappoint you. I know maybe you're in a relationship and you're about to get married and you, you know, the sun shines out of your, 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 you know, your partner's eyes and they're absolutely perfect. But one day they will disappoint you and one day you will disappoint them. It's the reality of our human nature. It's going very quiet in here. But, but Jesus is the one who will never disappoint us. He is the God of hope. He is constant. He is faithful. And Paul says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope, first of all, comes hope, then joy, and then peace. And hope is an anchor for our soul. So let's remember, hope is, Jesus is the source of hope. When you're feeling hopeless, look, go to Jesus as the source. Secondly, hope is the seedbed of expectation. Hope is the seedbed of expectation. The, the Jewish people uh, lived in expectation. They lived in hope. And that hope was the seedbed of expectation for each and every one of us. And I love the story about Simeon when Jesus was taken to the temple and he was dedicated to the Lord, to God. Uh, there was a man there by the name of Simeon. And God had told Simeon that he was not going to die until he saw the promised Messiah. What an amazing story. What a promise to be given. You are not going to die until you see the Savior of the world. And when he held the baby Jesus in his arms, he said, now, he, he, he said, now, uh, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, at last, Lord, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For with my own eyes, I have seen the salvation which you have made ready for every people, a light to show truth to the Gentiles and to bring glory to your people Israel. So he was saying, my eyes have seen what I've been expecting. My eyes have seen what I've been hoping for. And I, wanna, I want to ask you a question. What comes first, hope or expectation? Does hope precede expectation or does expectation precede hope? And I thought about this. And I thought hope and expectation go hand in hand. Because hope brings expectation to us of something that we are hoping for. And expectation brings a sense of hope that what we're expecting will come to pass. And there's a passage in, in the scriptures in the book of Proverbs which says, and your expectation will not be cut off. 
So I want to encourage you today, do not let your expectation be cut off. Things may not look like they used to look. As a pastor of a church, our church does not look what it looked like before COVID. And not just our church, but churches all over the world. Churches in the Bible Belt. And I don't think we're in the Bible Belt in California. But churches in the Bible Belt are not looking like what they did before. But in the midst of it, God says, do not let your expectation be cut off. And there's a verse which I, I read in the book of Zechariah last week. Zechariah was one of the prophets who prophesied to the nation of Israel after the destruction of Jerusalem, after the destruction of the temple, after they'd been taken into captivity for 70 years, and they returned, and they began to rebuild the temple. Now Solomon, if you remember, was the one who built the first temple, and the first temple was glorious. It was the most glorious piece of architecture on the planet and it was completely destroyed and when they rebuilt the temple Zechariah was one of the people who was prophesying to those rebuilding and when they rebuilt the temple the people who had seen the first temple wept do you know why they wept they didn't weep for joy they didn't weep because they were so excited that the work was over. They wept because the temple that they rebuilt to replace the one that had been destroyed was, was so inferior to what they had seen before that they wept in abject sorrow that what they were experiencing now was not what they had experienced before. And this is what Zechariah said to them. He said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. This mountain shall be made like a plain before Zerubbabel. In other words, whatever opposition you're facing, whatever difficulties you're facing, God is going to make them like a plain. And he said, and you, Zerubbabel, you will rebuild, you will finish the temple, and you will lay the capstone, the last stone in the temple, you will lay it to the shouts of grace, grace, grace to it. And then God goes on to say, and do not despise the day of small beginnings. In other words, when things don't look like they used to look, don't let your expectation be lowered. Don't let your expectation be cut off. And do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because if we continue with the small beginnings, then God will bring the increase that He wants to bring to any area of our lives. Whether it's our own personal lives, whether it's a business, whether it's our own, the world, our own personal world, or whether it's the church. And if we look around and we see that things are maybe not what they used to be, God is saying, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And in exactly the same way, as those people who wept when they saw the new temple, 
This is what Haggai said to them. He was the other prophet who prophesied at this time. And I'm closing, or I'm getting close to closing with this. Um, he said this, he said this, he said this, he said this. He says, the glory, I'm just going uh, to cut short this. He said, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, for I am with you. And he goes on to say, the glory of this present house, the house that they were looking at and weeping because it was so inferior to what was before. He said, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The glory of Zerubbabel's temple will be greater than the glory of Solomon's temple, even though it defies reason, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, says the Lord of hosts. What happened was that within that temple, the one who was the Prince of Peace would one day come and that he would fill that place with his presence and his power. And we know historically that Herod rebuilt the temple and Herod magnified the temple. Herod did not magnify the temple that Jesus visited to glorify God. Herod magnified the temple that he rebuilt to glorify himself. Herod, of course, was a megalomaniac and uh, he, was, uh, uh, he, he rebuilt the temple. But the reality is Jesus, Jesus himself was going to walk into that temple. And Jesus walked through the doors of that temple. And in Matthew 12, 6, he says, Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. What are you, what are you and I expecting God to do? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise where you are now because God has something greater in store. I'm going to get the, the worship team to come, but I want to just close with this thought. The third point is this. Number one was Jesus is the source of all hope. Number two, hope is the seedbed of expectation. Number three, expectation is the activator of miracles. Expectation is the activator of miracles. All three of those work together. Jesus is the source of all hope. Hope is the seedbed of expectation. Expectation is the activator of miracles. Expectation, if you like, is the spark that ignites the miraculous. And as we conclude, I want to encourage you, don't let your expectation be cut off. Because your expectation is the seedbed the activator and the spark that ignites miracles. I think all of us have been through times in our lives when we've had one problem after another problem after another problem after another problem and it seems our life is one whole sequence of problems and bad news. Can anyone relate to what I'm talking about? And when you pick up the phone what is your expectation? I guarantee your expectation is not good news. Your expectation is, what now? Another piece of bad news. But the message of Christmas is, 
that it doesn't matter what we're going through now. God is greater than any of the problems we're facing. And that in the midst of it, we can experience hope. Hope can rise in our hearts because when Jesus came, he came as the one who brought hope to each and every one of us. And the reality is that as we approach this season, we can know that hope in our hearts and know that what God has in store for us is far greater than what we could imagine. Let's keep hope in our hearts. Let's keep our expectation high. What are you expecting? It was always the question that we were asked in Chris, uh, before Christmas. What are you hoping for for Christmas? What's your expectation for Christmas? Let's lift our expectation. Let's, let's see our expectation lift. Expect a miracle. Expect God to come through. Expect God to turn impossible situations around. Expect God to speak into your situation. Expect supernatural provision. If you sowed into our Thanksgiving offering, expect supernatural provision. If you are praying for someone who's sick, expect a miracle. If you are praying that God will turn an impossible situation around, expect that God will turn the, that impossible situation around. If you're expecting uh, your disappointment to turn around, expect that God will fill your heart with hope. Because when Jesus came, He came as the advent of hope. <laughs>